Hello and welcome to Ask Launchpad, a podcast designed to tackle the career-related questions we hear most often in the Launchpad at York St John University. My name is Matt, one of your careers advisors in residence, and joining me today is my esteemed colleague and partner in crime, Jess Popperwell, Senior Careers Advisor here at YSJ. Morning, Jess. Well, hello everybody. <laughs> I'm so excited. We haven't we haven't recorded a podcast together in absolutely ages. Um, and actually, this could be our last it could. podcast together. Um, because you've got a new job. I am so sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm leaving. I don't think most people will be that bothered, to be honest. They, oh, they absolutely <laughs> will. They absolutely will. They'll be like a day of mourning across YSJ, the day that you do you do depart. Tell us a bit about the role that you're going, you're going to do. Okay, so um, from early September, I am relocating from my beautiful home in North Yorkshire to... It's a dirty word to say it. I'm going to London. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my partner has lived there for three years and we made the decision earlier this year that one of us would have to move because mm. um, uh, long distance is difficult mm. and both of us were looking for jobs on both ends of the country and I just so happened to get this one first mm. so I made the decision that okay I will give the uh, big black smoke a try um, and the role itself so I'm still going to be in careers I'm going to be a careers consultant um, at Imperial College which is very very different in lots of ways to York St John mm. in that um, it, the predominant student uh, focus on subjects is science, technology, engineering and maths. On the other hand when I walked in it's got some real similarities as well. There are some beautiful views, there are some really exciting things going on and actually the attitude of the careers team was it just felt like coming home. So I'm really excited as much as I am devastated to be leaving. Now, be honest, was it the fact that you can go for lunch at the National History Museum? Was that what swayed you, really? I just thought if I could eat my tuna sandwich under that whale, <laughs> that would just be ideal. Full circle, yeah. full cycle. <laughs> be sustainable, guys. <laughs> Um, but you've been here, so you've been at. I mean, I've been. Um, I've been at YSJ. This is, I think, it's the sixth or seventh month that I've been here. Um, but you've been, you've been here a while in a lot of different roles. I have. What, what did, what did, you, when you came here? Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned this to students sometimes in sessions. Tell us a bit about how you got where you are within YSJ. I was really cheeky and very <laughs> sneaky. So the first time I worked at York St John was actually when I was a student myself, and I did um, one summer. My university gave me a bit of money and said, if you go find yourself an internship we will pay you a hundred pounds a week for that internship and I'm from York I came home and I thought where might I hire someone for free and I immediately thought libraries because you know they need <laughs> they need as much as they can get so I walked into the library here at York St John and I just said I'm an English literature student um, somewhere else willing to do absolutely anything that's helpful to you really want to try out what it's like to work in a library would you be interested in having me come work for you it won't cost you anything I led mm. with that um, and they were delighted so I did that for four weeks it was brilliant um and then when I graduated I thought well I'm going to be coming home Mm. and I knew I wanted to work here but it took me a little while to find my way in so I did it in um quite I, I gamed the system slightly so because I already had experience working in the library I saw that there was a job going for an evening and weekend assistant in the library here mm. and that would be putting books back on shelves, get, doing a bit of customer service, um, so things I'd done before and things I was familiar with. I had a full-time job somewhere else at the time but because this was evenings and weekends it fit in. Yeah. So I applied for it and I think my experience having worked there already was what got me the role. Mm. I did that for a few months but I was by then a staff member. Yes. where I could apply for internal jobs to the university. Yeah. 
I applied for uh, a maternity cover position in our uh, what at the time was the international department mm. to look after international students who uh, were here on tier four visas. So that meant helping them get their visa to come into the country in the first place, giving them advice and guidance from wherever they were in the world. And then when they were here, making sure that they were okay, that they were doing the things they were supposed to do, but also that they understood and knew where to come for support. Um, So that was, I loved it, that was great, but it was certainly not the role I thought I'd be doing when I said, oh, I want to work at the university. Mm -hmm. Um, Worked with some really fantastic people. And then when my colleague came back from her maternity leave, she decided to come back part-time understandable when you've got a young family so I was then also working part-time alongside her which was another fantastic experience because I was then able to pick up another role at the university (laughs) part-time in the same department but looking after the admissions procedures so what that meant I was able to do was get to know the same kind of rules and things I was already working with but from a completely different perspective Mm. so I got to find out how universities decide who gets to come and who doesn't um, what you do when a government is paying for somebody's fees versus what you do when the student loans company is paying for somebody's fees Mm. Um, and also you know get involved with things like clearing um, as well as all the stuff I was doing anyway and it was great and it really fit in well together and it just gave me that feeling that I really want to stay at Mm. York St John um At that point, after I'd been doing that for about six or seven months, the only thing that really changed for me was that I saw the careers advisor job being advertised, um, which I wasn't actually going to apply for it. Really? Uh, And you will laugh when I tell you why I wasn't going to apply for it, because I didn't meet all the criteria. Oh, Jess. (laughs) Oh, Jess. (laughs) I looked at the uh, job description, and because I have made my career predominantly by looking at job descriptions and going, yeah, I could probably do that. Mm. And going, yeah, that that looks like something I could do. And then you try it and you think, oh, I'm surprising myself here. I can do really well. I'll do something that's a bit more complicated. I'll do something that's a bit more, uh, you know, I've got more autonomy or I've got more independence or I'm working on projects. Mm. And with this one, I felt like, oh, I I can definitely work with students. I've been doing it really well um, with the international students for a while. Um, I've got lots of customer service experience. Oh, I've got an HR background from when I recruited for the NHS. Mm. And I thought, oh, so that might be useful for students as well. Um, and also I had by that time already been hosting for Sash, um, yes. the charity that I worked with. So I was like, I've got quite a lot of experience doing things like sideways coaching um, with young people, getting mm. them to open up and stuff. So this could be really good. But I'm, I was not a qualified careers advisor. And yeah. it said on it, essential criteria, um, careers qualification mm. or um, willingness to do one. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, I would be more than willing to do it, but I'm sure loads of people are going to apply for this job that already have that qualification. I don't want to waste anybody's time. I don't want to apply for a job that maybe isn't the right role for me. Mm. And the only reason I applied was a chance conversation with a colleague who said, oh, I know a lady who works in that team called Suzanne. I've had a chat with her about it and she said that really the most important thing is that you're the right fit for the role. So go for it anyway and see what happens. Mm -hmm. That's why I applied. And we're so glad you did. And I got that job. (laughs) So when I say to people, don't only apply for jobs if you meet 100% of the criteria, that is coming from my experience. Absolutely. And how often do we say that? In in, in one-to-ones, in sessions, if, for example, there are, let's say, 10, 10 criteria points that you must meet or 20 criteria points and you maybe meet... 
75 to 90 percent of those criteria points just apply anyway yeah. uh, focus on the stuff that you can do opposed to the stuff that you can't do and like you said that willingness to study that willingness to to, to gain that qualification means a lot mm-hmm. it means you're committed demonstrates that commitment and it goes a long way with the the yeah. employer as well and we're so so glad that you did oh thank um, you well you've got re- suzanne to thank <laughs> thanks suzanne um so uh, obviously you've been working how long have you been in this role in particular so i was a so the careers advisor role started on the first day of welcome week in 2016 and it was a brand new, apart from suzanne it was a brand new team yeah so there was myself who had worked for the university i knew that the university systems really well never been a careers advisor <laughs> though and then um, my colleague mary who is fantastic careers she was our senior careers advisor at the time yeah. so she was my mentor mm. um she was brilliant she just kind of uh, came in and said here's how you do it and i went oh this makes sense thank <laughs> you mary um she had been a careers advisor for quite a long time but not at york st john so yeah. she didn't know the, the systems uh, we also had uh, a different manager at the time a lady called joe who was also fantastic who'd come from a very different background kind of um working with apprenticeships and young people in that mm. kind of um, area but also a lot of business connections and sort of between us and suzanne who very much was the backbone of the team because she'd been here for such a long time she mm. sort of fountain of knowledge mm. um, and a fantastic graduate intern that we had as well called Rachel who is currently in Australia but coming back soon um, but she was also fantastic really and between us we kind of made it work Yeah, we, we saw what we could do and what was possible um, and obviously it's a tough time to start uh, welcome week yes. when you sort of think oh, oh there's, there's, there's lots of things to be done yeah. um, but actually I think that worked really well for me yeah. um, because I learn best by diving in at the deep end absolutely um, and it, this, when you, it's kind of trial by fire you can't not succeed because what's the other option absolutely. what is there so that was fantastic and obviously it really helps that our students are as wonderful as they are because it, they're a joy to, to work with they really um, are. and it makes such a huge difference to the work that you're doing um, so I did that for just over a year and then Mary, um, very lovely news, um, went off to have a baby. So I applied to look after her job for her while she was away as maternity mm. leave cover and was fortunate enough to uh, to get it. And that's that means I've been in this role as senior careers advisor now for two years because wow. uh, Mary also elected not to come back. Um, she wanted to stay closer to her family so she took a role elsewhere so it really is a kind of very very quick succession I've been in careers for three years and mm. I've been um, in the senior role for two mm. um, but I've loved every moment of it you, you, you've achieved so much and I feel very sort of lucky joining the team uh, six months ago to contribute and to continue oh, the stuff that you started it. with um, <laughs> but yeah and like you say as, as we've said and you've said earlier it was like you say it was a difficult decision um, about the role, your new role that you've applied for um, and for those students because this this what happened just to you even for myself so that long distance relationship thing I was living over in in Merseyside in a place called Wirral um, and I was uh, in a relationship with Sophie who lived in York and it got to the point where we need to make a decision we need one of us needs to move somewhere together Mm -hmm. um, so we can see if this is going to work in reality and similar to yourself it was me who I moved to York Um, and there were a lot of considerations to that decision and it was it was tough it was really difficult especially if you're established and you've got a role there Um, and this is something that students may be facing themselves so for example if they have if they live at York, live in York at the moment, and a job comes up in London, for example, or Newcastle or uh, Aberdeen, it can be a difficult decision. 
What sort of advice would you give to those students who are in the middle of making that decision or potentially could make that decision in making that decision much easier? Well, we hear this a lot and it comes in all different forms, doesn't it? So I don't think uh, my story is anything unique or special. Mm. Uh, One of the phrases I've heard most often in the three years I've been doing this role is I don't want to move down south (laughs) Uh, from our students. A lot of students are very fixed. They know where their heart is. They know where their home is. And it can Mm. be incredibly difficult. For some sectors and for some roles, you will have to move. It's as Mm. simple as that. Sometimes the role just doesn't exist where you are, and that's really difficult. And that means what you have to do is make a decision of, do I give up on my dream job or do I give up on my dream location? Mm. And it is a tough decision. And equally, I have spoken to students who have said, well, my partner lives in XYZ and I live in ABC. What do I do? Mm. Or even um, I'm a carer. I've got children, so I need to you know, take their school into consideration or... um, I want to be close to my grandma because I'm the person that takes her for shopping every Saturday. Mm. All of those things are so relevant. And it's not just people. It, you know, I've I've worked with a student this year who doesn't want to move because of where her horse is stabled. Yes. If that's what's important to you, that is what is important to you. And you have to take those things into consideration. Yeah. It was a hugely difficult decision for me. Um, I own a house in North Yorkshire. I um, and for me I've talked about this briefly before on the on the podcast but there was a period of my life where I never thought I'd own a home in mm. fact I wasn't even sure where I was going to be living one day to the next for a while and mm. it was really tough so for me to say I'm making the decision to give up the stability that I feel I really really worked for mm. because of a relationship is a difficult decision yeah obviously is worth it or else i wouldn't be doing it and i'm not just saying that because he listens to every episode that we put out <laughs> and we've heard great things yeah. by the way <laughs> thank you <laughs> but um the main thing really is that it's it was the right time for me yeah it i felt like as much as i could have stayed here for another six ten twenty years quite happily because i love it here so much I'm in a position now where I know I can have that stability. I know what I'm capable of. I've been in a role that I have loved and my confidence has soared in this role Mm. because it was the right job. Mm. And I think the people, the lovely people I'll be working with at Imperial, I think they saw that, that I have a real passion and dedication for the kind of work we do. Um, And I would never have been in that position if it wasn't for York St. John in this role. Mm. But all of that combined meant it was the right time for me. Mm. I am now in a position to say, I can try something new and I don't have to be scared of it. Mm. So my advice to people who find themselves at these crossroad decisions is, and it is such an odd thing to hear because you just think, well, that's easier said than done. But you really, really have to know yourself yes. and yeah, know yeah. what is right for you. There are so many different ways you can do that. So some people will do those, you know, things like 16 personalities tests and mm. see what that says. Some people will look at a horoscope. That's not my preferred method, but some people do that. Um, say, oh, Libra this month, it is the right time for me. Um, I'm still waiting for money. I, can't, yeah. <laughs> I suppose I win the lottery three times. I'm still waiting. For me, it's more a fortune cookie. It says you'll find <laughs> bliss in anything you do. Right, I'll take that. That sounds fantastic. But for other people, and this is the way I do it, it's a pro and con list. Yeah. I love a pro versus con list. And I did that. Um, a lot when I was making this decision Mm. so obviously the job that I got was not the first one I applied for but I made a conscious decision I would only apply for jobs that met some very very specific criteria Mm. and for everything I did there was a pro versus con list involved Mm. of what would be amazing about this what would be difficult Um, and that meant that everything I did I went into with great confidence because I at least knew what I was getting myself into absolutely and so for me I think that's absolutely key is 
do whatever it is that works for you to make sure that you're confident in your decision. Yeah. And that might well be coming to see a career advisor. Absolutely. And it's, it's that first step. And I think that the different with me as well, I am I would be a pro versus con list mm-hmm. because I think if I did do a personality assessment, which some people do, and that's absolutely fine, but I think I would feel much more in control of a pros and cons list because I'm listing the pros and cons. Yeah. It's my decision to make. And like you say, there, there are certain things that are non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that you can be flexible on. But if you've compiled the list, mm-hmm. and even if it's just the first step, um, that's that's great. That's yeah. great for you, and it's, and it's learning what's going to work for you. Um, it's a brilliant piece of advice. Thanks, mm-hmm. Jess. That leads me quite nicely onto the next part, <laughs> um, the segue. Um, so the question I'd love you to help me answer today, um, and students do ask us this, believe it or not, is: Do careers advisors just give careers advice? That's a fair. That's a fair question. In I mean, and I often say our job title doesn't quite in- encapsulate no. or explain exactly what we do. Um, first thing I want to ask you is we've all got an idea of careers advice in our head whether that be someone you've spoke to at school I mean my personally wore a leather jacket and had a big a ring binder full of careers that I had to pick from (laughs) Um, but you think of your own careers advisor would you describe yourself as a traditional careers advisor no no. no, I don't think anybody that works in our team would describe themselves as traditional. I agree. I would I would say I was non-traditional as well. Um, what do you mean by non-traditional? Okay, so there's a few things here. And actually, I'm currently writing um, a blog post about this because I'm so fascinated in this topic. So it's a fantastic question. Thank, Thank you, you, Matt. <laughs> um, the first thing I would, I would talk about there is what does advice mean and what is advice? Mm. And I would say that despite the fact it says careers advisor in our title, I don't think we give advice very often. Mm. Because if I'm to give someone advice, what that means I would be doing is bringing in all of my past experiences, things I have done, decisions I have made, um, my values, the way I view the world. All of that comes in with me into a room when I sit down with a student. Mm. Um, and that is a, a kind of... Uh, a phenomenon that has been described by some careers theorists, uh, Patton and McMahon, in something called the systems theory framework. Yeah. And I, it's brilliant. So if anyone's interested, definitely have a look. But what it means is when you are working with somebody, if you just say to them, oh, you should be a plumber, the only reason I'm telling you that you should be a plumber might be because um, you're a man. So it could be there could be some sexism creeping in, and I'm yeah. saying that's a masculine profession. I would never tell somebody that, by the way, but you know. Um, or it might be because I think, oh, well, you've done um, a kind of technology course at school, so obviously you've got the skills that fit into that. Why wouldn't you? Mm. Or it might be because I think apprenticeships are the best way forward, yeah. um, and I'm not even going to suggest anybody does anything else. It isn't likely to be because that's the only job you would be good at doing Absolutely. it would be well based on my experience this is what i think you should do yeah more accurately if somebody says well what do you think i should do my advice is usually save the world <laughs> and that isn't ev- that, that isn't for everybody yeah. you know that kind of it for some people it's okay i'd love to save the world but actually i've got a four-year-old at home that i need to save them before i save anybody else yeah so advice is sometimes the wrong thing to do it it is not always going to be right for the person in fact a lot of the time if I give advice the only person it would be right for is me yes yeah yeah yeah. so actually what I think we spend a lot of time doing rather than giving advice is um helping and encouraging people to build skills to give themselves advice yes so it is that much more it comes back to that knowing yourself we do a lot of work around well actually what are you good at what are you what do you love doing Mm. where do you see yourself in 10 years what are your key goals for life so we do a lot of asking questions Mm. um and the reason that we do that is because it's and it does sound very kind of corny and cheesy but a lot of the time the answers are within yourself (laughs) um and people tend they 
even if somebody comes and sits down with us and says, I have no idea what to do with the future, mm. very often if you ask them a careful, a curated list of questions, yes. they've actually got a lot of ideas about what they want to do in the future. They, they just do. didn't know how to go about it. Absolutely. Or even how to get there. Yeah. Um, and I think even if you are in that position, we, we see we see lots of students and some students say, uh, they come to us and say, right, I want to do this. How do I get there? And we'll have other students who says, actually, I don't know what I want. How do I get anywhere? And either of those is absolutely fine. Um, And I think it's our role as careers advisors to support students, to empower students, to make the decisions that are going to benefit them in the the long run. And they are at the centre of everything um, that we do. And like I say, sometimes within my role, half of it is breaking students' misconceptions, yes. naturally, or people's misconceptions about um, what careers advisors are. I've been at parties um, in my own time. And yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> just the one, just the one friend I've got. Um, and uh, people have said, oh, he's a careers advisor, he'll help you out. And I'm thinking, this is this is not what it's about. Yeah, and I can't, if you give me a glass of punch and, you know, 33 <laughs> seconds, I can't fix your career plans for you absolutely we couldn't even <laughs> scratch the surface really in in that 33 seconds and it's it's it, it can, students come to us and it could be the, the the first appointment with us could be the catalyst to something incredible in their own mind and their yeah. own um steps from there on in it could be something much much sort of longer in time in terms it might be a 45 minute appointment and then a couple of maybe half an hour or 15 minutes after that yeah. There's no one size fits all. And I think what we do and what makes us non-traditional is because perhaps, and I think this is a a huge quality of ours as well, Mm. I'm very proud of this, is that we didn't always want to be careers advisors. We've had lives, we've lived. And that's not to say careers advisors haven't lived, but what I'm saying is we've come from a variety of backgrounds. We've come across adversity. Mm. We have, um, we're also coming at it from a a different sort of stance point. And we are normal people yes. at the end of the day yeah. and I think uh, certainly for our university in particular students find that so welcoming so relaxing because let's be honest the word careers can be terrifying yes and if they turn up to our service at any given day and we had a clipboard and we or a file of facts or a file that my my careers advisor had um it would scare it would scare them to death mm-hmm. um so i think half of the uh, the reason that we're non-traditional is because we're looking at different ways and different means of building relationships with students and helping them get in where yeah. they need to be i think you're absolutely right and i would add to that a little bit about the non-traditional nature i don't really know what a traditional careers advisor is because i think a lot of people now in our profession have moved away from what used to be the standard way of doing things so what i mean when i talk about non-traditional is you you might think of your traditional careers advisor as being someone who just does back-to-back one-to-one appointments that's all they work on or they might come in and do some sessions but they'll only do a session about how to write a cv and their powerpoint slide decks will have 54 slides in and it'll just be here's how you spell curriculum and it's kind of um and that's not obviously what i think most careers practitioners do now certainly not what we do Um, and the reason for that is because what we recognize is the individuality of, of our clients um it's not just the fact that we work with all of the academic schools and all of the subject areas that we work with it's the fact that we will work with students who want to start their own businesses in the same way and with the same care and precision as we will work with a student who says i want to and sometimes we do get this i just want to earn a lot of money yeah yeah, yeah, and you know there's nothing it's it's finding what's right for the student we leave our experiences as far as possible outside the door but any that do come in we don't let those enter the conversation 
conversation. It's about the person in front of us. And sometimes that means that a one-to-one appointment isn't the appropriate thing to do. Mm. Sometimes people flourish best in group work so they can come along with two of their friends and feel... I've already got a support group here to talk these things through with and sometimes it isn't even that they need an advisor they just need to go and do Duke of Edinburgh or go and save the elephants in Thailand and they just need our team to be the ones to give them that opportunity Yes. and I think that's why we're not traditional because we don't look at this and go well we have a careers model it's the only thing we follow we're flexible around student needs and that I think is one of the reasons that this is uh, the role that I've loved as much as I have. The the university and, and yourself, certainly when I joined six months ago, you were so willing to, so any ideas that we've got, let's talk about it, let's see if it'd be useful to our students, let's see if we can do that. Um, and one thing that came out very early when I, when I joined was um, we've been thinking about doing a podcast or thinking mm-hmm. about um, setting up a YouTube channel for students for their benefit. Um, and again, on the back of being non-traditional, We've done our best. Yeah. We've we've done that. We've actioned that. We've used the skill sets that we've got within our team, and we've made that happen. Yeah. And I think at some institutions that's not always the case. Um, and um, I think that's something that we do very well yeah. in terms of looking at diff- from a different perspective, looking at the student to see where that will fit in with the student or um, how that will benefit the student and getting it done and doing it extremely well and actually getting students involved with it as well so the ambassadors that we've worked with this year who helped us do all of these things we couldn't have done it without them we certainly couldn't have and it does it puts the students right at the centre of everything that we're doing and really that's what we want to keep doing more of here absolutely absolutely Um, so when you first began your your first ever role in the realm of careers mm-hmm. um, was there anything in particular that you you personally really wanted to achieve or were there maybe values um, that underpinned every single thing you did one of the beautiful things about being a careers advisor especially in higher education is that we are all uh, members of an organisation called AGCAS, the Associate of Graduate Careers Advisory Services. And to be part of that also means that you have a set of the kind of rules, their commitments that mm. we agree to. And the first of those commitments is possibly the thing I adhere to most strongly than anything else in my practice, which is student centredness at the yes. core. So knowing that I wanted to stay at the university when I was looking for uh, you know kind of for the roles it's students at the at the heart of it I genuinely think working with people who are trying to learn new things about the world trying to introduce new ideas into this space um, you know facing the fear of the future bravely and doing all of these things you are the most fascinating people that exist every student <sighs> in here Absolutely. and that's why I want to work with students and this role that has to be at the heart of it and so that is the value that has driven me in everything I've done Mm. I think the other thing I would say is particularly with York St John is that we have some of in my opinion the most interesting students that there are anyway because we come all of us and I say this as York St John alumni um, we come from a huge huge variety of backgrounds we don't have a homogenous group of students that are all the same we have individuals who are quirky who are facing different challenges who are excited by wildly different things but who are at the heart of it really curious about the world Mm. and that curiosity is what drives me 
Yes. So I often say I'm a huge geek. Um, I The reason I genuinely loved being a visa advisor because I quite like reading the immigration rules. I know that <laughs> makes me very strange, but I do. And equally, I love being a careers advisor because I love finding out about the best new way to do things. I love finding out that a certain organisation will ask you to develop a 3D CV. And I love being able to then explain to somebody what on earth that means. Yes, And it's that part of it that kind of well what can I suck up like a sponge and learn and then how can I use that to improve the decision making processes of the of the clients that we work with and helping them decode yeah. the the, um, the environment decode mm-hmm. um, what they're going through I think for me so my first role within careers wasn't in higher education so I think when I first entered that um, the role the thing that kept me going what really drove me was that uh, people from literally how you've just said people from lots of different backgrounds and have um, come across adversity things haven't gone their way um, some, especially in the, the the role that I was in when I first started, was um, some people. It may be they've come from a, a background of poverty. It could mm-hmm. be that they've had a very difficult circumstance. It could be um, that they just had a lack of opportunity um, and just didn't get to do what they wanted to do. And for me, um, I when I came to, because I'm a alum as well, I came to uh, York St John. I was uh, first in family to come to university, and I was from a single parent family. Um, and it was difficult the transition from um, from sort of before university and coming to university. So I think one thing that I vowed to do and and to to be the core of everything that I do is that everything we do for students is accessible yes. for everybody and everybody can achieve with uh, the support of us mm-hmm. and our service and I think again that links back to the university's values our students are quirky our students are incredible but our staff are too yes. and I think we, we we it's sort of um, the vibe of our tribe I suppose mm-hmm. we are we are it, we, it works so well is because we are a fantastic group of people supporting each other mm-hmm. to do what we want to do you definitely see that here you see that in the cross collaboration between teams and it does make it I know I'm waxing lyrical because I'm leaving but it does make us very very special <laughs> it does, absolutely absolutely does. I'm so proud of our team as well um, speaking of our team so um, reflecting back on the question so do, do careers advisors just give careers advice no we do not no. there's lots of things that we, we do here at York St John um, should we have a recap about what we've done so far over the sort of past academic year and then what students can expect moving forward absolutely for one thing I'd like to hear what some of the plans are moving forward I'll have to keep in touch I know <laughs> we've got so many th- so things that we've started you've started and I'll be carrying on with and then even more things so even as days and weeks go by more really exciting collaboration projects come about yeah. and we're like oh my gosh how can we get involved with this this will be a real benefit to our students um, one thing that I'm proud of in particular so there's there's, there's, there's there's two main ones that I'm really massively proud of and I'm always shouting about the first one is the digital stuff so it's the, it's the YouTube channel on the podcast because what happens is we're in one-to-ones with students we're in sessions with students we appreciate that students might not be able to come and see us all of the time Um, and linking back to what we said about earlier about equality and everyone being able to succeed um, having a podcast and a YouTube channel ensures that all students get the value that we can deliver and offer and they can implement it now whether that is during a session um, in curriculum whether that is in a one-to-one with either yourself or myself or whether that is on a Friday evening at 11 o'clock when they've just finished their assignment and they're thinking about looking at the cv that they can go online and look at the resources that we've put together and 
a lot of time, effort, and and thought has gone into those topics to see uh, to see where students will find most value. So that's the first one I'm really proud of, and the second one is grad director. Yeah. How many at the moment? Because the number changes all the time. How many students have successfully uh, through the grad director program started their own business? In the first year, I think we had ten. Mm. I think that incorporated. Uh, which is businessy speak and if you want to find out more you might want to join the grads director program um, but also this year I think that going through the mentoring program there are roughly 40 businesses Yes. so it's grown exponentially we've had two students as part of that win the Duke of York award uh, the Young Entrepreneur of the Year award which mm. is amazing and then we have also had um, the, the program grads director has been nominated for a national award with AGCAS the Careers yes. Advisory Service service so it's being recognized as something that is it is innovative it is special it is we're incredibly proud of it um and actually it is one of the the things that i think we can see grow yet further we have so many students with fantastic business ideas uh, Mm. and uh, especially i think um a lot of our creative students you know the ones that have products they want to get out on the market should come and find out about it if you're listening and you think oh i didn't know about that because it really is you can see the confidence blossom in our students when they start the program versus when they complete it absolutely and it's students that um sort of have set out and thought i've got a product or a service in mind that they'd like to turn to a business idea some students it doesn't start that way literally it's because they are talented yeah. and they've and they've, they've maybe dipping their toe into into self-employment and running their own business um and it attracts such a wide variety of students and it literally is incredible um and it's something that um a plan in the pipeline moving forward um which is very exciting we'll let you know about it um soon but potentially that will allow students to engage in these ideas and actually think can i can i turn this into a business can i start a business with this um and we'll support you as best uh, as best we can with um with that what is something in particular that you're proud of that we've achieved over the past 12 months on a really kind of personal level i am deeply proud of the fact that at the last count roughly 50 percent of our student population accessed the career service in yeah. one form or another during the time with us yeah. that to me is wonderful for one thing we're beating the competition there because <laughs> the, this, the average across the country is nowhere near that high well, i was going to say when, 50, when you hear 50 percent, you might think oh that's not very high but actually in comparison yeah. to other services it's it's amazing isn't it yeah and i think What's important about that number is that doesn't mean 50% of our students have come and sat down with either you or me. Mm. Um, What it might also mean is that we've got a bunch of students who've done volunteering projects with Lizzie Dawson. We've got a bunch of students who've done a summer internship or a graduate internship or who have come along to a workshop or have got involved in something that's a collaborative program between their subject and our service there's so many different ways of getting involved but i think that means that it's possible for that many students to use our service because there's so many avenues in so i'm hugely hugely proud of that because i just think it really does reflect that some of the stuff we're doing is is clearly the right stuff for us to be doing and i think the other thing that i am really proud of is in some ways 
what we've made of the launch pad space itself yes so um obviously everybody listening knows exactly where that is but for anyone who's <laughs> a little bit stuck it's in holgate just come and find us it's the big glass room and it says launch pad right on the wall <laughs> and we're really friendly we are really friendly but i think what we've done with that space is we have used that over the last 12 months as our front desk so most people will have met charlotte or possibly another team uh, member who's been on the front desk you will know how approachable we are and yeah. that you know we can answer questions quite quickly if they're fairly straightforward um, you also know that you can just pop in sometimes if you just need to borrow a book um, about a career related topic or ask where would I go to find out this information but equally you know that's where you also come to find out actually how will study abroad help me with my future how will uh, doing an internship support me doing things going forward and that space is a lovely environment to do that in and I think we have we've we've made that come alive because it could have been possible that students just wouldn't have come into that room. No, no, absolutely. And I think one, it's a beautiful space to work in, mm-hmm. um, but equally, it's such a welcoming, inviting space. And like you said, for students just to pop in, even if it's just for two minutes, just a quick chat, or even if it's to book an appointment or something uh, further, mm-hmm. just come in and speak to us, and um, and we'll see you right with yeah. some uh, career support advice. I do have one final thing I do want to 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 point out. Yeah, go ahead. Over the last twelve months our team has delivered more than 300 hours of support to students uh, in group work sessions. Yeah, that is incredible. So some of that is when we come and weasel our way into your lectures, and some <laughs> of that is when we do the stuff that's in Launchpad, the kind of central careers workshops. Yeah. But 300 hours is a lot of delivery, for, especially when we've got two careers advisors. Yes. I think everybody would notice that you know when we do come in, we do it because we're enthusiastic and passionate about it. Yeah. And I'm really proud of the sheer variety of things we've delivered yes. in that side. I will tell I have loved working with our postgraduate research students on in how to eradicate imposter syndrome. Mm. I have loved working with our illustration students on how to write a pitch for funding from the Arts Council. I've loved every moment of it and that is I think something that we can be justifiably proud of. Absolutely, absolutely. Um and three hundred hours that's that is that is incredible mm-hmm. like I say we are a very very small team there is two careers advisors here but I think we give a lot of bang for our buck we, we do. do we do we we do a lot but we achieve a lot with our yeah. students as well and the collaboration from our other team members it, we, it wouldn't be possible no, without Suzanne and and with Lizzie and with Eliza it wouldn't be possible without you know our study abroad colleagues popping down and being willing to see students or our placements team colleagues you know saying we know the answer to that we can help um you know resolve that query so I I really do think it is such it's it's there are two of us but it's much wider than that behind the scenes as well absolutely absolutely so the last bit i would like to cover with you and we've mentioned about so we've mentioned that careers advisors don't just give advice mm-hmm. there's a lots of other things we do as well um but i would like to end on some advice as well so what is some of the best advice that you've ever been given i have got three bits of advice I've been given and I'll whiz through them that have really stuck with me so the other thing I would say about advice is just because I'm saying anybody who gives you advice are bringing their own experiences etc that doesn't mean that some of it won't resonate so the first one I'll point out isn't even advice I was directly given it is a Shakespeare quote uh, English literature graduate can't help myself but actually it was my um the motto for my year group when I was at school to thine own self be true from Hamlet um and one of the things I would say about that quote the reason that it really resonates with me as a great piece of advice is because when you first hear it you just think oh yeah of course really easier said than done that kind of thing yeah I'll just be myself 
but the more you practice being your authentic self the easier it becomes and I want to be really really clear when I say to people that when I walked into a big scary interview at a university that was hugely different to the one I've been working at Mm. the thought that went through my head when I walked in was there is no point me pretending to be something I'm not here I know our universities are wildly different and I'm going to tell them why that makes me brilliant for this role Mm. and they believed me because I was being honest so that to me that's great advice for any situation but particularly when you're thinking about interviews and things be yourself and be honest about what you think is wonderful about yourself and and then don't put yourself down as well so Mm. be be your you know be your truest self second piece of advice is actually something that a couple of years ago a really brilliant and inspiring speaker called Andy Keeling came in and delivered some sessions for our students and one of the things that she said I wish I'd heard a few years before which was um, never apply for a job that you meet 100% of the criteria for and that sounds counterintuitive because we do get told oh well you need to be able to answer every point on the job description to get to get the job Mm. but as we've just mentioned I wasn't a qualified careers advisor when I first got the careers advisor role sometimes you don't have to have everything no but Andy's advice was actually we recommend that you don't have everything and her reasoning was you will be bored if you take a job that you already meet all the criteria you've got nothing to learn in that role Mm. so especially for our super ambitious students who really want to see themselves grow and stretch and be challenged don't apply for roles that are underneath you Mm. apply for roles that actually give you something exciting to learn so and that's advice i think i will carry with me for a long time i thought it was brilliant the final piece of advice is um, something that my grandmother used to say to me, and I'm probably uh, taking it in a slightly different way than she meant it. So my grandma used to say to me, it doesn't matter what you're doing, and she'd say this to all of her grandchildren, um, there were sort of seven of us, boys and girls, and she would say to all of us, always have a running away fund. <laughs> now, I think what she meant was um, have some secret money put by if you're ever in a position where you're kind of a housewife and you know you might need to, um, you don't know what's going to happen, like what happens if your partner loses their job or whatever. Mm. or actually if you just think do you know what I'm going to move to Barbados <laughs> actually what I take that as is always have a plan B mm. and this comes back full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning about it being a difficult decision for me to agree to say yes I would consider moving to London I felt comfortable doing that because I have set myself up enough if it goes wrong here's what will happen mm. if it goes wrong here's what I will do um, so basically my plan B looks like well if it, if the job doesn't work out and I'm confident it will the job's amazing but I thought to myself if the job doesn't work out or if I don't get the job of my dreams um, this is what I would do instead so I, I looked at whether or not could I go self-employed to uh, be an advisor for example could mm. I do something different the answer is yes of course I could if I had to um, but also you know how many other universities are there really it's possible for you to do something and in terms of thinking about you know giving up um my security and being here at home i have um arranged with my family that um i don't have to sell my house my mum's mm. my moved into it she's the loveliest person oh. on the planet um, and that means that if something happened and actually my accommodation uh, didn't work out in london you know everybody has horror stories about london rents i've got somewhere to come back to yes. if it really came to it so for me that running away fund became always have a plan b you can hope you will never need it mm. but having it there gives you more confidence sometimes to go ahead yes I love that. <laughs> and I think if it was mine, aren't grandma, firstly, aren't grandma's brilliant? They are. 
Secondly, if if it was my nan saying about a, a runaway fund, I think she'd mean like a moonlight flit. Yeah. Where you wait till darkness, <laughs> pack your bags and run for the hills. Yes, I think but I do. don't run anywhere, so that would be difficult for <laughs> me. Me either. I think I last, uh, the last time I ran was Sports Day 1996. It was the Egg and Spoon race and I won. <laughs> well done. So I stopped. That's an achievement. I stopped running and I thought <laughs> the only time you should run is either professionally or as a child. Yes. Um, and apart from that, it's definitely not. Um, but continue the sort of theme of grandma. Uh, as well so um, students will know about this from a YouTube video that I did for the channel and it was something that my nan used to say and she used to say listen if if, if if things weren't going your way or you were a bit under the cosh or you felt a bit down she would always say listen it won't always be dark at six and it was sort of when she first said it I, I almost poo-pooed it and thought oh, what, do, what does she mean but now as an adult reflecting back what she's saying is yes it's dark at the moment um, and things aren't going your way but it, all, it won't always be like that it yeah. won't always feel um, uh, like you feel at the moment it won't always be dark at six and I think about that quite a lot as an adult um, when things aren't going my way whether that's missing the bus or whether that's having my, I don't know, uh, a long day at work, I always think it won't always be dark at six and that's, that's st- st- stuck with me quite a lot. One thing that I say to students quite a lot is if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got mm-hmm. and I think it's it's convincing students and empowering students and and, uh, inspiring students to maybe take a leap of faith or do something that they've not done before to see what those results are. Um, and it could be some students come to us and say, I'm not sure if I, should, uh, I'm not sure if I could, uh, should take this next step. I'm not sure if I can do this. Of course you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you try something new, you might get a different result. Um, and the last one was, it's quite a funny one, um, but it's something as a, I used to be a gross people pleaser. <laughs> um, so this one really stuck with me. I thought it was really funny. And it was, um, you can't always be everyone's cup of tea because if you were, you'd probably be a mug. <laughs> so I think... In, uh, very much like you've said be yourself okay you're going to meet people in life that you get on with really well such as Jess and I we've had a fantastic relationship and we've and, and I think especially within this role uh, we've achieved incredible things because we are very similar in our approach you're going to work with people or be with people that aren't like you mm-hmm. or uh, don't have the same values or opinions what I would say is just try your best and find something about that person at least one thing that you do like yeah. and be nice to everybody Excellent. is what I would say um, so before we go, I know we've talked about advice, but is there one final departing piece of advice that you'd like to give to past, current and future students? Don't undersell yourself. That's a great one. Yeah. That's a great Just, one. If you aren't sure what you're capable of yet, or you're doing that very British thing of being very modest, or that very kind of new graduate thing of, oh, none of my experience is valuable, I guarantee there is more to you than you think. And if you are someone who thinks, well, I think I'm fantastic, but I can't seem to persuade these employers that that's the case, Mm. sometimes it doesn't mean you're not, well, most of the time, it doesn't mean you're not fantastic. It just means maybe you're not telling the story in the way that everybody else can can hear it. So you can always come out, reach out to us for support and for help. um, And... I would also say that with that, it is about learning how to have faith in yourself. Mm. It is a skill. It is something that you can gain and you can get better at um, and use the support that is there to get that for you so that you don't undersell yourself. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, well, that's it. Thank you so much to Jess for joining me today for today's podcast. We will miss you so much. We'll miss you dearly. <laughs> uh, remember, if you've got any questions about anything we've discussed today, you can find the careers team in the Launchpad space in Holgate or by emailing careers at yorkesj.ac.uk.